Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. This is a very special episode for me because I get to introduce my nephew, Cabot Bigham, who has recently signed with Andretti Rallycross. This kid is going places and fast. Welcome, Cabot. Thank you for having me. So tell our listeners a little bit about what is Rallycross and how did you get to be driving in this amazing sport? Yeah, so Rallycross is a very unique type of racing. It uh, integrates both dirt and asphalt, as well as a what we call a joker lane into this type of racing. And as a result, you get drivers from, from all different backgrounds. You get people from racing lawnmowers and tractors to, to formula car drivers trying to get to IndyCar or Formula One. So it's a big mix-up. Myself, personally, I, I was living in Santa Cruz when I was very young, Santa Cruz, California. We had a small property there. And at the age of about four, I really wanted to try and drive the tractor we had, which was like this front end loader. And as soon as I could reach the pedals and steering wheel, my dad would let me steer the thing and and try and drive it. Um, And that's honestly when I knew that I was completely smitten with with operating and or driving something of that size. And it really just kind of snowballed from there. I I continued to like Legos and, and build all these cars. And then when I was about 13 or 14, I convinced my parents to buy a little dune buggy, about a hundred CC red dune buggy. And I built that thing in my garage with, with, with no mechanical intellect and then started to realize I wanted to do something very quick and take it to a racing level. And that's when I discovered like a K1 speed indoor go-karting place called F1 outdoors at the time or F1 indoors rather. And this was in Boston. So I started doing a, a couple of leagues there and I uh, discovered I was pretty quick. So I went and inside this front lobby of the F1 Boston was an outdoor go-kart, like a professional European cart. And it was significantly faster than the stuff I was driving inside. So obviously I needed to go try it. And um, I got some contact information from the guy at front and eventually got my own cart, my own European, what I call a tag cart. And that was a CRG, if anyone knows what that is listening. But that's really when my professional racing career started. And when I went and progressed through the regional and national levels of karting, I was eyeing the formula car ranks. So I really wanted to go race an IndyCar. And I went and ran a Pro Mazda, which is like a Formula 3 equivalent vehicle. And that Pro Mazda, I won the championship in 2015, the first year I ran it. You know, I started looking at the, the pro teams to get on the actual F1 or Indy circuit, rather. And it was just too expensive for us at the time. You know, I'm a first generation driver and there's not a lot of businesses that are willing to hop in on, on a new driver, especially one that's coming through a regional series. So I didn't have the support and I looked at Rallycross primarily because I saw my friend Alex Keyes doing it. And Alex and I had been racing go-karts both on the East coast and West coast uh, since we were teenagers. And then I saw him go from formula cars, realize it was too expensive to, to GRC at the time, global rally cross and the lights category. And that looked like a crazy amount of fun, you know, racing on dirt with these rally cross cars, a hydraulic handbrakes, just throwing it sideways. That, it totally caught my eye. 
so that's my story. You know, I really, I saw it throughout what had Alex had done, got some contact information from him and started running GRC. And the first year I ran GRC, I won my title, the national t- title in the lights category with a racing outfit called Dreyer and Reinbold. And then from there, I went to Brian Herter Rally Sport in 2017, which is an Indianapolis-based uh, IndyCar team as well. And they are running a rallycross outfit out there. They were, you know, Brian was an amazing guy to have by my side. I ran a supercar with him, which is the, the top category. And then unfortunately, the series disbanded. And that's what brings us to America's Rallycross, which is the, the newest of the new. A very nice series. It's put on by IMG Sports Production or uh, Management Group. And it, it's a great series. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, and I can't wait to go watch it. As you mentioned, you're a first generation, so it's not something that we've known about in our family culture anyway, but it's been really fun to watch. And the rally cross is just, you know, you see the whole thing, which is really something that I love about it. It's really exciting. Right. You see the whole track, you see the Joker lane, you see the jumps. And all of that is really quite fun, but it's also very sort of intoxicating. There's a lot of adrenaline, even for just the spectators, I think. Yeah. What I think is very, really fascinating, and we've had really great conversations about this in the past, and this is the reason that I invited you to come on the show, is that you were a gamer as an early kid. You were very, you know, a lot into a lot of the gaming, and you had told me about how that really helped your driving skills. Can you share a little bit about that? Because I know a lot of listeners are sort of like, they see their kids gaming and they're concerned that that may just have negative impacts. And I think that it's good to share both sides. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think that there's a lot of games with with overly graphic content out there. And that, that definitely poses an issue. But for me personally, I think video games like the Horizon, Forza Horizon series, which is Xbox or Microsoft's premier driving game, I loved that game and I had followed it from Horizon 3 to where they're at or Forza 3 to where they're at now, which is um, seven or eight. So quite a big series and franchise. And that is just cheap practice. And and that's the, the hard truth because you can crash the car a million times and you're still getting that adrenaline rush of racing someone having to think about corners ahead of you. I mean, you do, you definitely do lose a lot of the sensation, but that almost makes you have to hone in on those other fast, fast twitch reflexes a little quicker. So I contribute a lot of my ability to, to jump into a, a new car and, and win quickly to, to video games, whether it was just sitting there on an Xbox or what I have now, which is a proper racing simulator. It's, it's helped me a ton. You've been in the industry, I guess, for you know, at least 10 years. How has technology changed uh, both the training and the way that you drive and, the, and maybe even the vehicles themselves. How is that impacting the industry? I know there's a there's a big interest and surge in the people around me getting these race rigs and simulators. They're going as far as getting ones that are air operated or hydraulic operated and pneumatic. So they move to, and they kind of simulate G-force and traction loss. So that's you know, it's getting really crazy what uh, what we're capable of doing. And I also hear, you know, I was just at SEMA 2018 and PRI 2018, which are two great shows. I was there with Monster Transmission. And while I was walking around, I saw a couple of people trying to put on simulator, um, you know, national series. You know, so they you'll have similar to what I consider like the drone racing league, if you've ever seen it, as like five seats 
with all the operators sitting next to each other, but they have like their VR headsets and whatnot. I, I, you know, it looks exactly like that to me, but it's for race car simulation and it's, you know, sprint racing style all there. And it's significantly cheaper than it is to go build a bunch of these racetracks. So that might become a very, an adequate way for drivers to progress, you know, into proper racing roles uh, or driving roles is to, is to win through these simulator or esports games, you know? Interesting. I never even thought about that. And I suppose that, you know, when you have that simulation environment, you can do it remotely in a totally different way too. So you, it gives mm -hmm. access to people that would never have had the opportunity to race before in, in that kind of environment, which sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And that's honestly one of the fundamental issues with motorsports this day, uh, this day and age is a lot of the drivers are just coming in with so much money. You can buy their way into anything. And the teams aren't going to deny that, you know, that's in the long run might help them or short term, I mean. So to be able to to bring raw talent back into the sport by eliminating the cost factor is going to be crazy. You know? Well, in speaking of the cost factor, I know we've also had a lot of conversations about the importance of branding and how you've branded yourself, follow the ham, which is sort of based on your last name, Bigham. You've really used that as a moniker through through your driving, but also through your, your other sports and things that sort of have built an image for yourself. How important is that in your industry in terms of being, you know, finding a, a team that's willing to support you, but also in terms of just getting out there and your visibility as a driver? Yeah, it's hugely important. I mean, you know, when you hear these drivers on professional a race or on TV rather saying, you know, that we can't do this without the fans. The fans are everything. It's, it's so true whether they mean it or not, you know, that's up for you to decide, but the fans really run the sport because if no one's watching, then, then who cares, <laughs> you know? So being able to have that brand and have something to set you apart from other people is the little difference it makes when you're approaching a team as a first generation driver or you're, up against three other fantastic drivers and they're all looking for the, the seat you're looking for. It's really just a matter of dumb luck and timing in this industry. And, and if you can have that little thing that separates you, like for instance, the big hand brand, it makes a lot of difference in the, at the end of the day. And in terms of sponsors, not just the team, but the sponsors as well, it seems like obviously if there's no fans, they're not interested in having their logo out there. Right. Right, so right. So the more visibility yeah. you have, the more I appealing. also like to be able to, to, to bring in all ages, you know, in a way, because I'm a very young person, a driver compared to compared to a lot of the people I race against. So naturally, I connect with a younger demographic, but to be able to, I don't know, bring a cartoony yet also like utilize this oint clothing thing I've created, which is it's online storefront for the, the big hand brand clothing, you know, that is something that these companies see value in because no other drivers, you know, really are doing that unless they've been around for a couple of years. So if anything, it gives them hope, right? You know, it gives me a little more, it look, makes me look a little better. So that's nice. Well, and how big of a role does social media play in that for you? Social media is, is blown up, right? So a lot of these guys are, are looking for the numbers. They're looking for your activation and all this and that you know, the old style racing, you put a sticker on a car and that's what you paid for is, is definitely dead. Now it's all about how much you can activate and how much of an audience you can reach. It was always that way a little bit, but it's certainly changed. Now we can do that through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And now with the live videos and such, there's, 
and 360 and, and 3D pictures, it's it's kind of crazy, right? I mean, there's so many things you can do. And if you're not on top of all of that stuff, then these companies will go find someone who is. Do you at this point feel that that is something that that is invasive for you? Or do you find that it's something that really complements your work? I mean, I, I guess you're not at a level now where the fans are when you're not on the track, people are going, oh, there's Cabot Bigham and they, you know, chase you around and have to have their picture with you. But maybe when you're at the track or at an event, having that social media ability can, you know, can either be great and exciting, or it can be invasive. Right. Yeah, certainly. I think it's everyone kind of wants to put down social media in some way. And by that, I mean, literally put your phone down and not use it. But it's very important. And I, you know, I found a way to, to kind of get around it and, and like it in some ways. But it's at the end of the day, it's a lot to keep up on, especially when you like you said, you know, at the racetrack, I could be surrounded by fans and, and constantly signing autographs and then literally 12 hours later not be recognized for another couple months. So it's a totally weird situation. And to be able to, or to have to make all that content and, you know, make it kind of fluid and seamless is not easy. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of time and getting used to. Yeah, I would imagine. And just keeping momentum going in between the times. Right. You're kind of just, you know, at the end of the day, I'm sitting in my house, just in my, next to my room, trying to do all this work on my laptop. But on my Instagram, it looks like I'm living this extravagant life you know, in, in a way, like trying to build it up to the racing ladder. But I don't know. It's, uh, it's funny, for sure. Well, yeah. and one of your team members, he, uh, I believe he also has a, a video game, or he's got some branding through a video game. Yeah, Tanner Faust. Tan yeah, Tanner. Is that, is that something that you would aspire to eventually? Do you hope your car, we see the follow yeah, the ham car yeah. out there? And so why I not mean, integrate, right? Yeah, no, to be in uh, Forza would be a dream because like I just mentioned, that was like one of the first real driving video games I got into. So to be on the premier platform with Tanner would be insane. But right now, my car is currently in iRacing, which is an online simulator. And that's, I'd say, one of the best simulators available, especially to the to someone who's just trying to get in and, and see what, what a hard driving simulator is, you know. But I think Forza reaches a bigger audience, and that would be very cool to to uh, to be a part of. So we can go drive your car. Yes, yeah. And what's the name of that platform again for folks? Who so want that to platform drive? is called iRacing. iRacing. Um, okay. iRacing.com, and that's East Coast based company. It's really cool. We have a small family connection with. But I've been a member of that little. You have to subscribe to this program, and you also should have a proper driving wheel and pedal. If you want to turn a lap, otherwise you're going to kind of pull your hair out. <laughs> but really cool company, East Coast based. You know, I've I've been using them for years, and it's uh, it's something that a lot of people are really looking at nowadays because they integrated rallycross, they integrated dirt sprint car racing. You can go run all the tracks in the United States and even outside of them. So very cool, yeah, nice. very realistic as well. And right from the safety of your own home, without yeah, exactly. having to crash into a barrier or another car. <laughs> yeah one time one time yearly fee and you don't have to pay any crash damage nice nice well i'm sure yeah. that's big we're going to take a really quick pause because i'm going to do a little promotion for my new book digital self-mastery across generations and talking about some of the stuff that we were we were just touching on it's really about managing your relationship with technology and and really identifying ways in which you can control that relationship 
and be aware of how you're engaging with it and and also understanding what things maybe you should be delegating to others. So it's understanding your relationship and like you were talking about with your fans and trying to embrace both your younger fans and also the you know the old school driving fans in different ways and really understanding what those audiences are and how to reach them. You can get your copy both online. You, you can order it from any online bookstore, but it's available in print as well as on Kindle. When you get a moment, I highly recommend it. It's got some great workspace as well, so you can figure out the best way for to manage your own relationship and some good tips and tricks there. So getting back to Cabot... I think one of the things that I love to hear about from different leaders and people that I interview on the show is how you manage your own relationship with technology and what kinds of tools you use to support your health and well-being. It doesn't necessarily have to be technology, but can be something that just helps you understand how the bigger picture of we live in a very digitized environment. How, what kind of tools can you use or do you use to, uh, to take good care of you? Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, the uh, Apple Watch kind of comes to mind. For a while, I was using TomToms and uh, a lot, some other GPS watches for Spartan racing. And that was really cool. And then the Apple Watch came out, and it was just better integrated with the phone I already had. So I went for it. And you know, now I can track everything from when I go to trade shows. I can see how many steps or miles I've walked, you know, and I can can get a breathe reminder on my, my watch to, to make my body happier. You know, it's just kind of crazy that uh, these sensors are constantly reading our bodies and, and telling us what, what, what we need to make them better. You know, and even then, on that note, I, uh, I got into this smart water bottle recently. I think it's called a Hydrate Spark or something like that. And that's a great thing because I didn't realize just how much water I needed per day until I could literally see it in a chart and get reminded, which was totally wild, especially coming from a driver's perspective where you're sitting in a 150 degree car for 30 minutes at a time, you know, it's, it's pretty brutal and you, you need to hydrate really quickly. Well, you've talked about that hydration piece before. So I'm excited to hear that there's some great tools out there that are helping do that. And that does it passively. Does that send you a notification or how does that work? It's really cool. The, the bottle itself actually flashes if you need, if you're behind your goal and the app itself takes, it uses weather and your location when you're, using the app, you know, and it, it takes the humidity, the temperature, all that, all those factors. And it's takes your body weight and even connects to your, uh, Apple fitness stuff to, to see if you've worked out or done anything more uh, strenuous. So you get really accurate amount of readings on how much you need to hydrate. And it's a good, good thing to know. Like, even if you had used it for a couple of weeks, you'd have a better image of what you needed to do to be hydrated throughout the day. And it's incredible what that does to your your mental acuity and, and focus. You know, you don't feel as drained. Absolutely. It sounds like a, a great tool. I'm going to have to check that one out myself because I know I certainly yeah. do not drink enough water. Um, I should get an endorsement water. from them for that. Yeah, you should. Well, well <laughs> then, you know, I'll see if I can talk to them at CES for you. That's uh, pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, there's some really cool and very helpful tools that are coming out onto the market. And it's, it's just about building awareness of what, what they are and how well they build into your ecosystem. Because it sounds like... You know, you found something. That's another thing I talk about a lot with clients is basically identifying the tools that work with your existing ecosystem and being careful right. about.
about picking things that maybe don't communicate well with your existing system, and they they end up being more of a hindrance, even though their intended outcome is great. It just doesn't really work if it doesn't communicate well. And that can be anything from, you know, something that's meant for Android and doesn't work with iOS or or whatever. I mean, it, you know, for it, in terms of a water bowl, it could be something that is not a standard size. And so it doesn't fit in the cup holder in your car, you know, right. <laughs> it's, right, right. it's not always something that's digital oriented. It that's could... super annoying too. I'll exactly. Right exactly. And yeah. it's so, you know, you have simple things like that, that may inhibit the ability to actually use it regularly because it just becomes that much more of a burden. I think, you know, it's, it's great that you found this tool. And so I'm curious about what's next for you. You've got the America's Rally Cross coming up. Tell us a little more about your plans for the coming year, because I know it's going to be an exciting one. And how can we find you? How can we watch your races or, or take part in your uh, lifespan of your driving? Yeah, no, well, uh, like you said, the social media channels are a great way to stay on top of it. And that's all follow the ham. And that's through Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, and uh Twitter, Twitter temporarily locked me out. So we'll, we'll get back to you on that program, but <laughs> it wasn't for any comments. It was, it was for something way more stupid than that. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, that, and then uh, America's Rallycross. So uh, this year has been really big for me or this coming year will be because I was fortunate enough to get with Andretti and their Rallycross program in the 19th season. And like you said, Tanner Faust is my teammate. That's going to be huge for me. He's the he's like a legend in the he's honestly an international superstar. If you really want to break it down, so that's very cool to have him by my side and hopefully as a mentor, you know, down the road. But to be in uh, such a competitive car with such a esteemed race team is it's going to be wild. You know, it's literally my it's my dream. So <laughs> I'm I'm living my dream and I can't believe it. <laughs> oh, it's exciting. Well, I can't wait to watch you race. I hope we get some West Coast races. Right. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, the schedule itself is, I believe six events uh, at the moment. And this is our second year in America's rally cross as an organization. So we, uh, we don't have a full, what we would like to call full calendar yet, you know, in an ideal situation, I think we'd have about eight rounds and we're, we're getting close. We're getting close. It's more and more each year. So to watch this type of racing, you know, it's new. So we do uh, online streaming. So anyone can watch it, and that's fantastic. That's done through Facebook as well as their website, America's Rally Cross. So that's really cool. And I believe that we are trying to secure a deal with ESPN. So that would be fantastic as well because I feel as though they're quite an underrated network, and they've they've been kind of stepped on a little bit these past couple of years. So it'd be cool to see them cover racing, whether that's with speed or whatnot. I don't know. Very exciting. Well, I can't wait to watch and make sure you let us know what the link is so we can uh, we can track you down and and catch one of the races if we're in the in the area or close enough. Yeah, certainly. So, well, thank you so much for joining me today, Cabot. This has been such a treat to interview you and to hear more about your plans for the coming year. And uh, I'm really excited for your new deal with Andretti. Congratulations. That's a that's a wonderful accomplishment and a great way to start out 2019. So, um, 
Thank you for joining us today. And thank you, Digital Selfers, for joining us. We look forward to uh, sharing the rest of the year with you. This has been a kickoff of our new 2019 season. And we look forward to many more. If you've enjoyed today's show, please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. We've got some really exciting interviews lined up already. And we look forward to hearing more from you. Feel free to reach out and tell us if you've got a great story you want to share. Until next time, bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for The Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.